Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 102 of Season 5 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-kai our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is the Prince of Thieves from Minute of Thieves, or the Head Prince of Thieves. I don't know. I don't even know what would you call you. Maybe a King <laughs> of Thieves? I don't know. Travis Bow. Welcome back, Travis. How would, how would oh. you refer to yourself? <laughs> Um, man, I've never, that question hasn't really been, been put to me before in terms of, uh, no, I'm just, I'm just Travis of the bow. Okay. Travis of the bow. Why not? Uh, actually that fits in with, uh, you know, with Robin Hood. There yeah. you go. May, is there a connection? Are you, are you a descendant of Robin Hood? Um, I cannot reveal that at this time. <laughs> where, where does the name bow come from? You, like what's the origin? Um, I believe. Do you get any idea? Um, I know there's a, uh, in in, in uh, France there's a church called Saint Mary Le Beau, uh, Beau spelled the same way. Um, I, it's hard to find like any like it probably just comes from. Um, no, like what do your ancestors come from? Or oh, I'm all over the place. England, Scotland. Uh, there's some. Um, I think pretty much Scotland, England, and I, it's I'm a mutt. Yeah, it's all <laughs> over the place. All right. Well, maybe then you could actually be a descendant of, of Robin, Robin of of, yeah. of Lockley, you know, who uses a boat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anything's possible. I'm not ruling it out. Okay, that's good. That's good. Always, always keep your options open. You know, yeah. you never, you never know when it'll help you in the future. You know, if you right. if you happen to meet Kevin Costner one day and say, hey. I am possibly a descendant of you. You know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of your character. How's that? There you go. <laughs> and that's that's when I'll be ex- escorted out of whatever uh venue, venue that yes. Kevin Costner <laughs> and I would be at the same place. Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. So minute one oh two begins with Holly punctuating her comment and ends with Grant saluting Stuart. So yesterday we we ended things with uh, Holly zapping Thornburg, and he had made a comment basically saying, "If this should be my last," uh, for some reason I keep thinking recording. It's not recording. Well, you know that's what we do yeah. nowadays. <laughs> I was going to say, "If this should be my last podcast," no, "If this should be my last my final broadcast." That's what he says. Broadcast. Who uses the word broadcasting anymore? Now right. it's podcasting. You know, the you know Thorn- Thornburg would be a good podcaster these days, I guess. You know, that's probably, oh, yeah, that's probably the only work that he can get these days anyway. Right. Especially with all the lawsuits pending from the McQueens. You know, <laughs> who does? So, yes, he says, if this should be my last broadcast, and then Holly zaps him and then says, amen to that. And then this minute begins with her just saying, dick. You know, so we, we, we got into that conversation uh, uh, a few months ago where we were talking about, uh, you know, okay. where, where the name dick comes from, you know, and obviously here... Mm-hmm. It has uh, uh, numerous meetings of what she's talking about. When, yeah. You know, especially the way that she says it. You know, obviously yeah. it's a very uh, condescending tone, uh, refer, ref, basically calling him a schmuck, more or less. Yeah. That, that's what it comes down to. Ha- has it come up that he, th- this actor, William Atherton, like the other main role that probably everyone thinks of with him in this era is Ghostbusters. Of course. And the famous line being, this man has no dick. Like, 
Has that come up? Like, do you think it, calling it, him Richard Dick here is is any way like a like? Well, you know, you know him as being a man with no dick, so let's just call him Dick. It could be because because again, I mean, in in the season that we did for Die Hard two seasons ago, it did come up the 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 connection between you know him also being in Ghostbusters, you know, and and yeah, you know. Where is he a bigger? That was the big, biggest question. But okay. I don't think anyone ever pointed out the way you just did uh, so so well that there's possibly a connection here, you know. Uh, but the connection would have been made in the first Die Hard. It wouldn't have been made sure. been made here because when the character was created, because if I remember correctly, this character does not appear in the Roderick Thorpe novel. If I remember okay. correctly, anyone out there who who remembers the novel uh, and knows that I'm wrong, feel free to let me know. But I, I have a feeling that he's not mentioned. I think they just decided to bring him in to to help out with the, you know the way that the the story was going in that one, and then they they brought him back here. I'm I'm actually glad they didn't bring him back for with a vengeance because that would have just been too much. You know, the sure. same way same way they didn't bring yeah. back Reginald Bill Johnson for that one. It would have just been too too right. much of a coincidence that we're in a third location where we're able to put all of these main characters together. You know, I mean, yeah. come on, we all know that Holly's not even Ho- in the third Holly's one. Holly's not even in it. Well, yeah. she yeah. her voices. We we get She's, her voice. Well, on, uh, we get yeah. what's supposed to be her voice. A voice. <laughs> yeah, a voice. Yeah. Which uh, you know, in in a few seasons we'll get there, and maybe. We'll, we'll be able to find out somewhere, you know, whose voice that is, whether whether Bonnie Bedelia, you know, gave her voice just for that uh, line or not. I don't know. We shall have to wait and find that out. Holly says it very matter of factly the way that she says it. Mm-hmm. You know, she just calls him, you know, amen to that dick. And then yeah. we hear on the phone, dick, we're live. Dick, where are you now? Dick. <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, it's it. We didn't read. It's done really. It's done we didn't really, really well. Talked yesterday about. I'm oh, sorry. No, go ahead. What? Go ahead. Um, we just didn't really talk about the way he kind of flops into the corner after being zapped. You know, just how. I think most people tend to play it like they get knocked out, but he his eyes never really close. He just he looks out of it, but not unconscious. And that's the way we leave him in this minute. I like the way the the flight attendant just closes the door on him. That's right. You know, it's like it's like we're going to give you back your privacy. You know, yeah. just going to close the door. No problem. And and she smirks because, I mean, she she did yeah. have at the beginning of the movie. I think this was maybe in week three or four. I think it was in week four where where, you know, they they had the big argument with him about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether his programs are uh, are 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 done in a way that it's all very an objective look at uh oh, at, right. at air travel you yeah know, that type of thing so she she gives up she smirks as she closes the bathroom door you know, yeah and she she's happy about that i feel like when when she closes the door that and i can't remember now what the what the state of the passengers are like right now i can't remember what they know what what has been you know told to the passengers at this point um well anyone anyone listening to the newscast knows what's going on okay okay couldn't remember if it had been kind of broadcast a 
you know, around the plane yet, or if it was. Yeah, that that's what that's uh, what prompted uh, Holly to get up. She that was okay. the end of end of okay. last week where she, where she, you know, she she picked up the headphones to listen in because she saw his face okay on the screen. And that's then, right. Okay. Okay. Right. So yeah, when when the when the flight attendant is closing the door, I feel like I hear um, a very generic like screaming in the background it's very light it's very just like a wall of sound kind of white noise like not white noise but like um studio created crowd voice you know and it, crowd, like panic it, you're saying panic voice or just kind of panic voice? yeah it sounds very panic but then it also sounds like it could be coming from it, it feels like a mixture of things like if I know it's not typical that you would have TV audio playing from multiple sources on a plane. Yeah, that's why they ha have the headphones. But it almost feels like I got like two or three TVs on at the same time and I'm hearing all of it mixed together at once. And so it sounds a little bit like screaming and it sounds a little bit like, you know, a music video playing. Like it just sounds like it's a weird wall of sound noise that's coming out that I can't tell what it's supposed to be. Um, it doesn't sound like the, you know, we just need it to sound like people in casual conversation, just that sort of thing. It's just an odd, um, well, odd bit of sound that I don't know what it's intended to be. Okay. But. I mean, but, but last week before Holly, you know, when, when she went into, uh, her seatmates, uh, bag. Okay. Yeah. So her seatmate was arguing with with one of the stewardesses right before that. So the question is, yeah. you know, everyone is very concerned at this point. Yeah. You know, they they every, apparently everyone recognizes Thornburg on the screen because you know he interrupted mm -hmm. uh, an episode of The Simpsons. So what <laughs> do you expect? You know. Yeah. Especially when this this was this was it was like the fourth episode of the simpsons that they showed right you know so it, no one really knew yeah. really who the simpsons were but they they were trying to figure it out you know i don't know <laughs> um do you have anything else before about the plane before we move to the next thing um no okay all right I'm good so then the, the, the shot changes and we we actually finally get to see for sure which of the bad guys survived so we see khan standing there on an, the empty road uh looking out and we see a truck that appears out of nowhere. And it actually looks as if the truck skids a little bit as it's uh, driving towards yeah. them. I thought so too. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, the, the guy, the, the, the stunt driver did a nice job of, uh, you know, skidding along the way, trying yeah. to make it seem as if it's really icy and, you know, and it's slushy and, you know, can, we know it's all fake. So, right. you know, there isn't, there isn't any real snow there. And yeah. you know, then Khan picks up his uh, his walkie-talkie and goes, "Truck light, truck lights approaching, sir. They're here, right on schedule." So it it works really well. That uh, I mean, I was I was happy to see because we we talked about this two weeks ago. We weren't really sure who the two guys were that that John shot on the snowmobiles. You know, we assumed okay. that they were according to the script. One of them was Garber, which is the the second in command, but the, the other one we weren't sure if it was Burke. Or maybe it was Khan, because the two of them. Okay. Uh, Burke, Burke is John Leguizamo, right? Yeah, I, I when I watched the movie the other day for you know first time in in so long, I thought I'm pretty sure that's John Leguizamo. I had no idea, you know. So 
and then like a little bit later you get robert patrick yeah um sure. i looked through the the cast list you know at imdb and i was surprised to see like mark boone jr that's right there's this this that was shot he was shot of like he was okay, he was yeah, one of the yeah, first I don't guys recall to get seeing him i didn't until i what, what's that i didn't recall seeing him until i you know was watching this minute by minute and then he was one of the, he was the first okay. guy shot at the you know when when they were fighting the swat guys He's actually Mark okay. Mark Boone Jr.'s character is the only bad guy not killed by John in this whole movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. So he has that distinction, and he uh, does not look anything no. like we all know he looks no. like now. He was no. he was clean shaven, and his hair was was uh, was cut to a a military length. Fairly military. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was most of them. Uh, Tom Everett, he's one of the plane yes. guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, we'll we'll get him a little bit this week. Yeah, just just full of that guy like character actors Correct. that that I was surprised. Even the guy uh, Khan. That's right. Uh, Tom Verica. That's right. Like he, I I I know I've seen him. Right. You know, it was like when I saw him in this minute and uh, at the start of tomorrow's minute, I was like, I know I've seen that guy before. That's so right. I had to look him up. And, yeah, yeah. Tom Verica. You know, I, I talked about it. That I mean, again, I know him mostly from i mean he's he's had a lot of parts a lot of small parts and things yeah but i know mostly from from the earth to the moon he played uh dick gordon oh, okay uh so he was in like two or three episodes of from the earth to the moon so i i gotcha you know i actually just rewatched the from the earth to the moon uh, a few weeks ago for you know for the for the anniversary of the moon landing so mm. you know I, I i was reminded again of tom verica from there you know so i was i was happy gotcha. to see that he's one of the guys who survived you know yeah, and I mean, obviously, we, we get to see, you know, in the next shot, we get to see Kurt, uh, Von D. Curtis Hall, you know, mm-hmm. who yeah. who also was an unknown actor at this point, you know, right? Um, he's he's the other guy who it's the two of them that survived. I mean, basically, think about it: there were twelve of them, and then there's three, you know, that have made it yeah. to this stage. So you know, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I know I know Von D. Curtis Hall mostly just from from. Uh... From Daredevil on Netflix. Oh, really? I, I actually a, know him from Ben Urich. Um, for me, he's Chicago Hope. You know, he was on Chicago Hope. Oh, okay. I watched a little bit of that, but not much. Right. Okay. That's fair. And then the shot switches to Stuart, and uh, Stuart then you know is talking into the into the walkie talkie, and he goes, "The hangar door, open it." Clockwork. So he he does that really well, and and we see that Esperanza then yeah. takes a puff from his cigar. You know, I wonder if it's the same yeah. cigar that he lit up. Uh, you know, when when he was on the plane. You know, like where's he getting all the cigars from? <laughs> yeah, isn't it a thing though with cigars that you can kind of put them out and then keep them for a while and yeah. light them up I, again? Like from that... what I know, I mean, I don't. Uh, yeah. You know, but again, he was shot. <laughs> so like, where did he pick it yeah, up from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking like there's a little bit of blood on his shoulder. Well, because he got shot. I kept thinking, he got like, shot in the arm, and but he's still using that arm yeah. to, to puff away. On yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking like, shouldn't one of his arms be in a sling? Or you know, isn't? I couldn't remember like how badly he was shot. Just but... wait. Later this week, he's going to be flying a plane <laughs> with that arm too. Yeah, so yeah. It it you know he just was winged. He ain't got time to bleed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, was it I'll bleed when I'm dead or something like that? Isn't that uh... No, it's um, I'll sleep when I'm yeah. dead. I think it was I'll sleep when I'm dead. Oh. Uh, I think that was I'll bleed when I'm dead or I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> yeah, both work. Yeah. And uh, then, then we see the hangar doors open up. And 
so one of the things that really gets me about this is that did you notice how many crew members ground crew members there are <laughs> yeah. now I, I i paid attention to those too uh, you know and they're not like they're not being forced to work at gunpoint or anything Forget about that. I mean, the, you know, there there was a scene a few uh, two weeks ago where Stewart said, you know, uh, make sure you have a ground crew there. And Grant said, "You come on, you don't need a ground crew. We don't need to give you extra hostages. And then we get here and, there, oh, and yeah. there's a full ground crew. I mean, there's tons of guys yeah. here. It's just unbelievable how many there are. And, you know, every time I've seen this movie before, and I always just thought that for some reason those were part of, you know, the bad guys. I never, never even sure. dawned on me until I was doing it this way, you know, about how many of them there are, you know, and we, we see the, the, the yeah. plane is this huge cargo plane, you know, mm -hmm. and I mean, I mentioned yesterday that, that, uh, Rennie Harlan mentions that this is, this was done on a soundstage and they had to build the, you know, the, the, the plane there and they basically couldn't get it out. It was like... It was it was something they Wait, had to, what that's that's what he said. It's just not a, a real plane that it's it seems like they just go to an airport and like, hey, can we just take a couple shots next to your plane? You know, but he said, that, I, I don't know. That's what he said. on the. On, maybe I misheard him, but that that's what he said on the hmm. on, on, on the, the commentary. It was it was very he was talking yeah. about how difficult it was filming these shots because, you know, the, the plane barely fit in the hangar. Huh? Yeah. I mean that that might be like maybe this plane doesn't typically reside in this hangar, but maybe they just wanted the shot of, you know, these doors opening and you see this massive plane. Right. I think that's what um, they wanted to show is how big this plane is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't really know if he needed it, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know. So I mean, I was it got me thinking about about plane hangers. When when do you think they started mm. the idea of plane hangers? Um, I'm guessing pretty early, considering a lot of those early planes were made out of materials that weren't, you know, metal and, you know, some, a lot of it was, you know, so those early planes were wood and canvas and, you know, materials that you probably wouldn't want getting soaking wet a lot. So I'm guessing that they started putting planes in hangars pretty early. Okay. And, and you would be um, right. I could be wrong. You would be right. They, okay. they did. So <laughs> hangers are used for protection from weather, direct sunlight, or, or to use for maintenance, repair, manufacturing, assembly, or storage of, of an aircraft. The Wright brothers actually uh, stored and repaired their aircraft in a wooden hangar constructed in 1902 mm -hmm. uh, for, for the first glider. So the idea was that, okay, it's best to keep your plane indoors. I think that's the, the, the idea of it. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it makes, makes sense. sense. Of course, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. You know, and, you know, you have you have different size of, of hangers and stuff like that about uh, yeah. you know, how tall they are and stuff like that. Like, you have most, you, you have, like, small hangers that are about 30 meters high. Medium could be up to 60. Large is up to 90. Extra large is up to 120. And double extra large is anything beyond 120. You know, there's there's really no like regulation of how how yeah. large it should be, but you know the the idea is is that uh, there still are regulations for building codes and stuff like that. Um, 
in August 2014, the FAA actually proposed legislation on how a hangar can be used on airfields. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's impressive that they can build a building this large, and it's not like it's a you know I, I've been in enough warehouses where I know you need support. You know every uh, you know 50 feet you need a steel support beam going up to support the roof. Like you can't have that here because you got to be able to drive a plane out of it that's so right. well no you, you yeah, just have just, a higher roof it's crazy that yeah yeah you know so it it makes sense you know and then we so we see yeah. the you know the how huge the plane is compared to the truck because they give us a shot of the truck next to the plane which which is great mm -hmm. it's really just trying to show how big this airplane is which i'm assuming most airplanes you know are are uh at least this similar height yeah you know most commercial aircraft type of thing I forget, did they specify, when they asked for a plane, did they specify this plane, you know? They said they wanted a, a, a cargo plane. Okay. They okay. wanted a car, a cargo converted plane. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, it's interesting. Yeah, they, they wanted something big. Yeah, yeah. I, it took me a, a while to realize that this was a cargo plane, because um, to me, any plane that looks like this, like that typical, you know, I don't know that this is a Boeing you know, but it looks to me like a Boeing 747. That's just the typical passenger plane that I think of uh, mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about planes like this. Um, right. And so when I think of a cargo plane, I'm thinking of like a C-130, which is more right. like what uh, the general flew in on. Uh, mm -hmm. So that I was kind of surprised later when I realized this was a cargo plane, like that it's this style of cargo plane instead of like that more military style cargo plane. Right. And and to me, the biggest question is, is why do they need a cargo plane? I don't know. Like, what are they? Yeah. They're not, they're not transporting anything. Yes. They have 30 guys that need to get into it. Okay. But you can put 30, 30 guys into a plane. Yeah. You know, is it, is it, you know, uh, as they say, smoke and mirrors, you know, is it the type of thing that they're trying to make them believe something? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it could be Not that they have plans in the future of using. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. And then the the, the shot changes, and we are back, and we see John uh, walking with with Coleman. And you know, he apparently seems as if he's keeping her up to date on what 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 is needed. And she goes, "Geez, you give me this story, and I'll have your baby." <laughs> and then he looks at her and goes, "Not the kind of ride I'm looking for." You know, you'd, you'd, you'd think that a reporter like her would probably not, you know, assume, you know, that, that she's willing to give sex for this type of thing. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strange line <laughs> yeah. to come from her. It's also a strange you know? line from him, the not the kind of ride, you know, it, it's. Yeah. It's also delivered like like he waits a second and almost like delivers it to camera almost. Um, do, do you think it was ad-libbed? Maybe. Well, I don't know. You, if Maybe it's in the script. Well, when we get to the script, we'll see. Okay. We'll, see okay. we'll see when we get to the script whether it's there or not. I'm Fair asking, yeah. what do you think? What's your What's your opinion? Do you think it is? I, I honestly don't remember at this point. You know, when we get to the script, though, uh, we'll go through it and we'll see if it's there. But what What do you think? I'm betting, betting it was written um, because I feel like it's – her line is just a setup for his line. And so – 
if they're both an improv, you know, maybe, but I'm, I'm guessing it it's scripted. Um, it's just, I, I find that the delivery of, of his line is the, one of the only that feels very one-linery. It feels very acty, you know, it doesn't feel like a typical, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Willis, John McClane sort of line, I guess, but okay. I don't know, we'll, but we'll I do find like a little the, while. I like what the 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 implication here is, um, because this is the first mention of ride that we get, and so I like the way, you know, the previous minute we see John approaching Sam, and then it cuts away, and I like that this we we there's been a passage of time, and so we learn really quickly that he's worked out some kind of arrangement that he needs a ride somewhere in. I thought they, they had a news van, so I wasn't expecting, Ah. you know, what they were going (laughs) to get into, uh, vehicle wise. So that was a little bit of, of a surprise, but, uh, I think it's good storytelling. It's just like, it keeps it moving forward and we're, we're figuring it out. You know, we don't need to, you know, we don't need her to say, yes, we're, I'm going to give you a ride and in exchange, I'm going to get this story. Like we don't need all that. So that's right. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's true. And, and that's all we basically get of the two of them. It's like a few seconds and then it just, you know, we see them walking through the crowd and that was it. And then it, it comes back to the, the hangar. And I love the way that they open the shot where we see all this, you know, uh, I guess you could say dandruff falling on the ground yeah. because it's, you know, we, we know it's not real snow, but yeah. it's just, you know, they, they, you know, someone was just piling fake snow on the ground to make mm-hmm. it look like that that they've now brushed it off the truck. You think they would know, have gotten some uh, slushy ice, you know, and just dumped it on the ground right there to make it look like they've been uh, they've driven up. You know, there's no wet tire tracks yeah, maybe. leading up to this. Nope. So, nope. Not at all. Yeah. And they were slipping and sliding. So yeah. you, you never know. And and then uh, you know Grant jumps out of the out, out of the truck along with uh, a few of his other men, you know. And then the shot changes and we see uh, Stewart and Esperanza walking down the, the the stairs, you know, of of the plane. You know, they they both look very regal the way that they're walking mm-hmm. down. You know, you you're just waiting to see one of them like wave, you know, like the Queen would wave or something like that. You know, at as they're walking down you know giving like a very uh uh a royal wave or whatever you want to call <laughs> yeah. it you know and they walk walk down towards grant and then grant uh you know sees them and and everyone's smiling and then grant walks up to him and quickly so they salute each other as they're doing it you know, you have a few of the guys from Blue Light looking on. I I like the fact that we we still can see the red tape yeah. on on their their ammo, uh, uh, you know, magazine. on their ammo pack, the magazines. Yeah, it's very good. And once again, we see Khan in the background. You know, uh, he's he's the only one not in white, but he's he's still there. You know, uh, giving. I guess it looks like he's securing the area or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, as the two of them are. Uh, are are saluting one another i like that when the uh the doors open for the hangar like he it kind of lingers on him like as the truck drives into the building in a way like he's in the center of the frame just backing up and 
on yes. guard, on alert, and you just get this interesting silhouette of just him backing into the into the building. And then yes. yeah, he approaches hey. the the general and everything. He yeah, he's still very mm-hmm. much like keeping an eye out on things. That's right. Yeah, I think that's uh, he he does that really well. And then Grant starts talking and says, "Colonel, if I may say so, you are some piece of work." And then uh, the 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 minute gets cut off as he as he's doing that. I feel like yeah, that that's in tomorrow's minute, I believe. Well, the, uh, he just says, "Colonel." I think I think Colonel is the only thing that he that he gets to say here. Mm. But or maybe part of Colonel as he's starting to say it. Something like that. Yeah, well we'll get a little bit more into that tomorrow about how that is. Um you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? Um only like as I was watching, kind of li- letting the minute loop in the background back when uh um Sam was off you know offering to have John's baby. Um, there's like a, a North Santa's North Pole kind of diorama sort of thing uh, that they've built, you know, behind the crowd there. Like, I Out, guess outdoors, <laughs> I guess there's like a little like maybe this is where like at a mall when you go to take the kids to see Santa, like maybe I guess it seems like a weird thing for an airport to do. Like come to the it, airport. Well, it seems a weird it's thing Santa. to be outside of the airport. That's yeah, the I don't know. I'm I'm. I can think of uh, Home Alone. There's like an outdoor Santa's workshop sort of thing outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. But that's all I got. Yeah, okay. All right, that's fair. Um, and and you'd think that the odds are they didn't build this themselves. That's probably something that was already there. Maybe maybe in the pictures that you mentioned yesterday from oh, from yeah. the Denver airport, we can get that if it was if this was if these scenes were shot around Christmas themselves. Mm. You know, you never know. Yeah. All right. So the the script starts off with where we're at the airport at night. It, it, you know, we there there was nothing they really added about uh, you know about Dick in the. Uh, the, the bathroom, Dick Thornburg in the, bath, the bathroom. It says, McLean, Sam, and the cameraman forced their way through the crowd, Sam absorbing what McLean's told her. Jesus, you give me this story, I'll have your baby. McLean goes, thanks, but I'm looking for a different kind of ride. So there you go. It's in the script. And then it says, and he, he and she points to her news helicopter. And at that point, the script goes to the hangar. And it says, Stuart and his remaining men on guarded doors on high scaffolds to look out at the landing field hidden in the driving snow. Stuart looks at his watch. Now, again, it's just really funny that it says Stuart and his remaining men when, you know, we, we, we've established that there's three of them. You yeah. Know. <laughs> and then it says, outside of the hangar, Burke here on watch. So, again, according to the script, Burke is still alive at this point. Uh, John Leguizamo. Something gleams in the distance. He speaks into his radio. Truck lights inside the hangar. Weapons are cocked. Soldiers' muscles coil. Stuart into the scrambled radio. Hatchling, report in. What is your position? Grant's voice. My position is I'm getting, I'm going to get my ass reamed out of this best goddamn soldier on the planet because I'm two minutes late. Uh Stuart grins, signals for the hangar door to be open. The big door rumbles upwards. There's the truck. Headlights now illuminating the waiting plane. Grant jumps down from the cab, grabs a warm greeting from Stuart, and the headlight beams. Grant salutes him. So, again, I, I don't like this that much. I like okay. it better in the movie. I, I think that it's, you know, 
we don't need that line of Grant saying that you know that I'm I'm no longer a good soldier because I'm two minutes late. Sure. Like, who cares? You know, show up two minutes late. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't even have to tell us that you're late. Yeah, and that's it. Okay, so every Tuesday we have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, where basically, you know, this is an homage to the the Midnight Boys, who what they did on the Titanic minute, where you know every week they would talk about different uh, different uh, boat uh, disasters, boating disasters. So I talk about uh, different plane fighting the urge to just scream wreck of the week. <laughs> it could be, could be wreck of the week is fine too. So, you know, I try and find some some interesting uh, stories of people who who unfortunately were, were killed in in uh, in plane crashes. Uh, most of them are famous people. Uh, the, the one I chose for this week is probably someone that nobody has ever heard of. Uh, I would be very surprised if you if you actually have heard of this. Have you heard of the name Mitsuyasu Maino? No. OK, so he is a he was a uh a japanese actor who uh who was also an activist and in march 1976 he carried out a suicide attack uh on on a uh on on someone who was a multi-millionaire right-wing leader and leading figure in the lockheed bribery scandals wow uh basically what he tried doing was uh, fly his plane into this man's uh, mansion and to, to kill him. Yeah. Okay. So basically, in early March 1976, he he flew to he flew around the the neighborhood that this guy Kodama lived in, uh, trying to get information and prepare for the attack. And on the morning of March 23rd, 1976, he arrived in uh, Tokyo Airport. Uh, in Chofu Airport in Tokyo with two friends. All of them were, were dressed in the uniforms of kamikaze pilots, Man. you know, from World War II. Yeah. And they actually informed airport officials that they were renting two planes in order to film a segment for a kamikaze uh, segment of a film. Hmm. Okay, which is actually pretty smart for actors to do it that way, I guess you yeah. could say. Um, you know, they, they, they started taking pictures and they were posing in uniform with white scarves and, uh, you know, rising sun images and a headband yeah. and things like that. And, uh, so he got into one plane and his two companions got into the other and they flew around Tokyo, Tokyo for an hour. And then, uh, he told his friends that he had business in the neighborhood where Kodoma was living and the other plane, which had the cameraman on board. Uh, basically, uh, film was continued filming what was going on. He flew over Kadoma's house, circling twice before diving into the building. Jeez. Yeah, and he apparently called out uh, the the number of the plane right before crashing and said, "Sorry, I haven't replied for a long time. Long live the emperor." And then crashed into the 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 building. He ended up hitting the, the second floor of the, the house, and he obviously was killed in the crash. The, the crash created a fire, and uh, two servants were, were slightly injured. The Kodoma himself was resting in another part of the building during the attack, so he wasn't injured, and uh, they, he ended up getting out of, the, out of there without a problem. He had Yakuza bodyguards with him 
that uh, were able to quickly uh, put out the fire. And, uh, you know, reporters showed up on the scene and the, the guards got upset and started attacking the reporters. Um, Man. You know, so, yeah. So, what? I mean, this was... Uh, and and then right-wing demonstrators uh, arrived on the scene and started clashing with police in front because uh, at first they, people thought that it was a conspiracy. And then they, they realized that it was something that he had done and acted on his own. What an elaborate... So, you know, murder suicide plot. Seriously, and, and it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, yeah. Um, uh, apparently, the 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 guy Kadoma what was uh, put on trial for all of the crimes that they claimed that he you know committed for the huh. bribery scandal and stuff like that. But while he was in, the, it took seven years for this trial, and in the the middle of the trial, he actually had a stroke and died. Mm. <laughs> man so yeah so yeah that's uh that is uh disaster tuesday for us this week <laughs> so travis you want to once again tell people uh where they can find travis bow sure uh i do another podcast called real comic heroes and over there we go through a big list of comic book movies we go in release order we started in uh with uh, Superman and the Mold Men from 1951. As of this recording, we are in uh, 1998. We just did uh, Dark City and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Batman, Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero. Uh, we've got a uh, <laughs> David Hasselhoff, uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, TV movie that's coming up next. And then... Uh, I think the uh, the Mask of Zorro. So hitting a bunch of different stuff. And uh, yeah, check that out. It's Real Comic Heroes, Real with two E's. And uh, yeah, enjoy. All right, cool. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcast you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little village.